Welcome to the Bureau of Citizen Detectives, the officially unofficial podcast for Yellow Jackets on Showtime. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're back to cover season two, episode 10. We don't have a title yet, but it's sure to come. <laughs> TBA. Aaron, uh, no, we're actually here to do uh, a season wrap up. Maybe premature. We'll talk about that. Uh, season wrap up for season two. And uh, that'll include a lot of feedback from you guys. So what it- do we have? Indeed. Um, there wasn't a lot of people who were unabashedly positive. Uh, there's a lot of people swearing okay. that they are going to uh, continue watching through season three, you know, but maybe with some uh, allusions to thin ice. A lot of people swearing the opposite, too. So. I, I, you know what? I didn't. I only saw one, maybe two people out say that I'm out. I'm out on the the yellow jackets. Okay. Most of her is like people wagging fingers and putting putting shorters <laughs> on notice. And there's an interesting, uh-huh. um, you know, like uh, sometimes shows do stumble and recover. Like I made mm-hmm. an allusion to uh, Breaking Bad having a what I considered a kind of a disastrous closing few episodes in season two almost got me completely out of the series, and then it could, went on to be one of the best shows I've ever seen. Someone in email that we'll consider later on also cites uh, Mr. Robot. Okay, Mr. Robot yeah. had some pretty severe missteps in season two that real and some pacing issues mm-hmm. that we noticed because of adaptation of a preconceived. A lot of things went into like we were really nervous about Mr. Robot. Again, Mr. Robot turned out to be one of the best shows I've ever seen. So it is it, not without precedent that a show can stumble at sophomore year. And uh, if you consider Breaking Bad even a stumble, Um and, and and continue. And I think it's interesting because I, I just recorded with our buddy Pete Peppers. He's doing a retrospective of Breaking Bad right now. We did the, the Peekaboo episode. Mm, yeah. And I'd forgotten that like season two was the only season that Vince Gilligan and his Villa gang sat down and actually pre-scripted out pretty tightly. Like what things are going to happen and, you know, because they wanted that big reveal that didn't work for me to, you know, hit and it's funny that the, the the time that the writers put, spent the most time laying everything out was the season I liked the least. And that's usually, you know, I'm all <laughs> about like, Hey, make sure you have an outline of where you're going, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think if you are a big yellow jackets fan and you're bummed out that this season maybe didn't, I, I, I've been, I've been trying to say that I haven't seen anything that is like a disastrous misstep. Oh, no. like something no. like there, there's a couple things that maybe, if I had another episode or two of of a direction to judge from, I might say that. But like you know, the finale, the the season premiere could come out in a year or two, and they have really satisfying explanations for the police missteps, or they do something really cool with that, or they're able to, you know, de-emphasize some things that weren't working and emphasize the things that were. It's so so yeah. Like if you're a big Yellow Jackets fan, I don't think this is time to be doom and gloom. I think it's time to be a little concerned. You know, uh, this isn't season one where everybody was hailing it and it's enjoying a 97% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes and it was a critical darling and everybody's like, oh my God, it's, it's, there's expectations now and the show didn't live up to all of them in this season from the majority of the audience, but it still remains a a crazy committed and passionate fan base and the ratings they're getting are not like bottom of the basement ratings in terms of Showtime ratings, so... Sure, sure. Got, and I, I didn't object 
too much to what happened. Um, I think it went off the rails toward the end there, maybe in that final episode. Uh, the thing is, it's now a discussion about whether this is trying to be prestige television or just kind of silly or pulp fair. And I, yeah, and that's why I go more towards like a True Blood or a Banshee than uh, right, right. The leftovers. And that's fine. You can still have amazing shows that are pulp uh, and, yeah. and just completely silly. I love those shows, um, and I still love this show. So we'll see how it goes in season three. But it's something you cover differently too. You know, oh, absolutely. Like yeah. It, yeah. Like that's you see like if this isn't going to be a prestige puzzle box, if it's just going to be like a gonzo s- exploitation, sex, sexual violence, uh, you know, s- stimulator, then yeah, mm-hmm. you don't you don't get out the cork board and the red, the red yarn and the uh, the thumbtacks uh, as much for those shows as you do the prestige puzzle boxes. But again, it uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, I just want to put it out there that I've seen better shows, uh, and in their when you look at their entirety of their run, stumble in similar ways, and uh, me and Jim are you know clucking our heads and and uh, sucking our teeth, and it turns out we were just being nervous Nellies. So, of course, there's also I can think of several shows that seemed like they were <laughs> sliding down shit creek, and actually maybe four or five miles further down that creek than I would even get. But but you know, yeah, it, it does happen. Uh, let's get into Yellow Jackets at baldmove.com. That's the feedback. Uh, I will I will say this. If there is a bonus episode, like a lot of people are hoping slash coping for, <laughs> uh, we will not be covering it right away. I've already delayed a vacation a week for this stupid-ass show. Uh, <laughs> I was supposed to be on vacation this week, but they did the, we're going to take a week off for Mother's Day or no reason at all which which so I, I'm not going to do it again on a week's notice so if there is a bonus episode that 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 fully redeems the season has everybody it's going to be a real bummer for bald move because we'll be a week behind reacting to it but mm-hmm. uh, yellow jackets of bald move.com remember that if there's a bonus episode otherwise file it away for season three things first up is Kate Kate says, I'm a little disappointed in season two for all the same reasons you guys are. In fact, I can't believe this is the same show that garnered so much buzz and award recognition. Not one, but two episodes in season one were nominated for best screenwriting at last year's Emmys. But I do have faith that the creators can stick the landing if they have the time to get there. Personally, I have no doubt that they have concrete answers for the big ticket items like Dark Tie, the guy from the cabin, how the Yellow Jackets survive in the 96 timeline and what they do to survive, how they are rescued and whether or not there's supernatural forces at work. I personally think not. Well, congratulations on picking the correct team, Team Rationality. Uh, I, I want to go back. I'm not Are on a scale of one to ten. How confident are you that the showrunners have answers for things like Dark Tie, Guy from the Cabin, Yellow Jacket Survival? how they get rescued and whether there's not supernatural forces at work. Cause I'm not convinced that they have answers for any of these things. Uh, boy, if they don't have an answer for that last one, that's wild. I, I couldn't imagine setting out to write a show without at least understanding whether I'm writing a science based psychology exploration or mm. a supernatural ghost story. <laughs> Yeah, because even like I'm thinking of like the leftovers, which is mm-hmm. a show that I think does a great job of of 
staying on that knife edge till the very end. According to Damon Lindelof, he has a clear cut idea of what is the real thing and what is not. But he's mm-hmm. just never going to say it's like, you know, I, I, I made a whole three seasons of it. Uh, so you guys can decide. So you guys decide, you know, what to believe. That's kind of part of the experiment experience. So like, even if they're going to continue hopping on both feet of, oh, is it a mental illness or, oh, is it the wilderness? They should, because they're filming things that mean mm-hmm. things, they should have an idea. And, you know, we might get to draw our conclusions, but certainly they should have an idea. I'm just saying that, like, I don't know if I have any confidence in it because I could... Like, let, let's say that they wanted to make this like Lord of the Flies and it's not supernatural at all. It's just a psychologically gripping tale. Mm-hmm. What if in in between this season, they have a really hot idea to make it into some kind of supernatural thing? Like, why wouldn't they do that? They just run with it. Uh, I don't know, because it's not what they're making. Um, yeah, I th- sure they could do that. Uh, that would be crazy. That would be crazy. That would be like yeah. Game of Thrones. Uh, House of the Dragon creators going, you know what? I've got a really great idea. Uh, it's for a science fiction dystopia show. And I I can't do anything else. House of Dragon's taking up all my time. But what if we made some of the plot go in that direction? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's that big of a change. Sure, sure. But it, you know what I mean? Something... It's like stepping yeah. outside of what you intended to do just to fulfill an idea that it would be a bad idea is what I'm saying. Like stick yeah. with the, the premise that you've got and run with that and make the best show you can around that. Yeah. I don't know if they've done a really good job, at hopping on the two opinions and I think they have, like, I don't know why mm-hmm. if you thought you had a really hot idea that everybody in the writer's room is excited for, and you kind of have been flailing around at other things. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, think I feel like I've a, heard worse ideas. Those other things you mentioned, like, the specifics about cabin guy and the other things that's where they have a lot of room to maneuver um the big stuff about like is this supernatural or not that's that's stuff i don't think they can change okay well i want to talk about the bonus episode because kate had some evidence there's not this is there's more than just cope cope copeful thinking i think behind this uh there's things that have deliberately been said and released in the you know preseason material and the behind the scenes material that has fans speculating. She says, "Is there going to be a bonus episode? While I'm mostly aligned with you guys that this seems unlikely, there has been relatively compelling evidence released. Ashley Lyle, one of the showrunners, tweeted this a while ago, saying that there are nine main episodes. So that someone asked, could say, hey, can you clarify? Are there nine or ten episodes?' And she says, "There are nine main episodes this season.'" Why would you answer hmm. that question? Nine main episodes? What? It, like, yeah. Like you said, that someone's directly saying, there are there nine episode? or ten episodes? And you say there's nine main episodes. There hasn't been an episode released yet, to my knowledge. Mm. Uh, she also tweeted in this in the th- same thread or a little bit later. She says, never say never to bonus episodes against the showrunner. Why the mm. fuck you would be saying this? <laughs> Sure. Uh, the costume designer, and she has a behind-the-scenes video at the 750 mark. Um, she says, the costume designer here stumbles over speaking about episodes 9 and 10, though this could be a misspeak if they originally meant to have a 10th, which got axed. Uh, although she is explaining how the costumes got terribly scuffed up the end, which would align if we see them without shelter in a bonus episode 10. Eh. 
Uh, Variety posted this predicting an Emmy nom. Uh, so Variety posted an article on their website predicting an Emmy nomination for a currently unnamed episode 10 directed by the executive producer and multi-episode director Karen Kusama. This reference has since been deleted from Variety's website, though, so take it with a grain of salt. But they had credited at episode 10 of Yellow Jackets TBA. That, again... Uh, apparently, the Writers Guild website also has a writer credited for the 10th episode, but I couldn't find any evidence of that. Uh, I went on the subreddit, and someone had posted a picture of Teenage Misty holding one of those clabbered boards, you know, the the take mm-hmm. one, take two boards, and it identified in the bottom left of its placard that this was episode 210, and this is the wrap. Mm-hmm. Now... Uh, that's evidence that there was maybe 10 episodes planned and filmed, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it's super strong evidence, except for what I, I just I don't understand what Ashley is doing with the tweeting. Uh, the it nine seems main like episodes. Yeah, that, that that's the I only never say no I've to seen a bonus episode that, that is compelling. Yeah, that like unless so show creators do do this. They will fuck with you. sure some creators like to do that and it's not it's not a guarantee that this is going to happen that this is the 10th episode waiting to be released uh but it's if you want to say that they the showrunners are not the kind of people who would do that kind of thing and i don't know i don't know anything about them um then maybe there is a 10th episode it could be, I mean, you know, we, we talked about this. The Last of Us la- um, was publicly open that they filmed 10 episodes, but because uh, as a result of a network request, they edited the first two episodes together into one slightly longer super episode because they thought it improved the, the pacing. Um, it's entirely possible that they got cold feet on some reveals or there was some pacing issues or, you know, there was a 10 episode order and it got cut down to nine episodes. Um, mm-hmm. Amelia also posted earlier this morning a screenshot of someone taking a screenshot of their Showtime app that says that there's a new episode scheduled to drop and uh, this June first today, Thursday at nine p.m. the the regular time. These are pretty easy to fake. Uh, I don't have a Showtime app. I watched this through Paramount Plus and I logged in. There is no evidence of that whatsoever. Uh, a lot of people are pointing out the absence of promotion as like the big thing. It's like, well, why would you have a bonus episode that you keep secret and you literally don't tell anyone? And I think that's pretty compelling, except for last year, Netflix did exactly that with their Sandman series. This thing uh, dropped. It had a good run. It had a decent amount of buzz. It had a natural conclusion. A month went by and completely unheralded, it just dropped to the front page of uh, Netflix a bonus episode of Sandman, a self-contained Sandman episode. So it's like that being in really recent memory, um, sometimes shit like that happens. Sometimes Beyonce will just be like, fuck it. Here's a here's this album you didn't know I'm dropping mm-hmm. like it. It does happen. And it, it does seem like it's something that's a bit of a trend in the last decade that if you want to do some get some buzz generated. Do a do do an ambush, uh, <laughs> an ambush piece of marketing. Uh, I, I guess we'll see, you know, I guess. I mean, you got to hope that information get out to the people who have checked out 
for the season, right? Like if I'm a Showtime uh, subscriber who only watches Yellow Jackets and I just watched what Showtime on their app is saying season finale now streaming, uh, I might not come back to that for another nine months, a year, a year and a half to check in on the latest until I go, hmm, wonder what the new season of Yellow Jackets is doing or when that's going to be out. It's a I, huge risk. If if you want people to actually watch this episode, you tell people about it. You don't hide it. Yeah, but if you got like so I, I so the devil's advocate, you got 125,000 people watching this at its airtime. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh that's not a lot of people and there might be more value in making a surprise splash where it's like I've been hearing stuff about yellow jackets for the last year. And I'm kind of interested and uh, the episode season two, I'll catch up on the off season. And suddenly, like you hear out of the same places like, oh, my God, they dropped a bonus episode. And it's amazing. Recontextualize like are, it might be worth it as a gambit to get people off the fence and watching your goddamn show, you know, like it's if, possible because like, because yeah. they're definitely the audience that did not grow year over year. It mm-hmm. maintained and then got to about episode four and in halved and stayed off that, you know, that that lower level for the rest of the season. So it could be that they're like, you know, let's let's try to goose. Let's try. Let's do something that's provocative and goose the ratings. Um, Mm. Yeah, I would not put it beyond this team to do something provocative for sure. Uh, Sure. Can they convince executives to be provocative? (laughs) There is a lot of evidence, an overwhelming amount of evidence that there were 10 episodes planned. I will say that at this point, unless all this evidence has been fabricated about people talking about it. Uh, There's a couple of uh, the ladies that gave interviews saying that their favorite episodes were 9 and 10. But if you just think that like there were 10 episodes and for whatever reason, because of pacing issues or, mm-hmm. you know, they yeah, just that, cut. That like, easy to explain. Like the, the other thing is the, the other the other evidence of the bonus episode is you could also justify it if it had nothing to do with the mainline events. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking like, what if the Jason Ritter stuff where they're filming the, the quote unquote cabin boy guy? Mm-hmm. what if that worked out really well and they got a lot of material and they're like you know what might be interesting is like just have like a flashback to the pre you know just like out of context flashback to the previous occupants of the cabin that's a truly bonus episode and I think that's something that I could see them doing and there is evidence that they did have this guy out to film these scenes and it was the completely miss. You know, we know the cameo was there. We know he's on the set. We know those things went mm-hmm. nowhere in terms of. Um, but, but I don't know. We also know there's a whole bunch of other deleted material that would not fit in neatly to this flashback idea. So, I mean, that's a great idea for a season three opener. Like, take us back, you know, get us, get us out of context here. Give us something different. Uh, but man if you want to I guess blow that at the end of season two on an extra episode that half the audience might never see I don't yeah. know I don't know we'll see like I said if it's, if the rumors are true we might see as early as tonight but uh, I would not hold your breath for our coverage we would probably get to that in two weeks um, so yeah we'll see uh, let's move on to Asa it says people knew for sure that the Donner party had resorted to cannibalism because they found human bones that had been boiled. No one knew for sure if they killed people in order to eat them or if they just ate people who had starved or frozen to death. There are all sorts of salacious rumors in the newspapers of crazy pedophile serial killers. But the only thing that could be proven was that there were bones that had been rounded when cooked. 
It's led me to think, after yellow jackets are found, how many dead bodies do they find? Could they tell how they died? Could they tell that the dead had been eaten? Maybe they knew that the yellow jackets had eaten each other, but no one was convicted because no one could prove who done what. What do you think? Um, there was some email that I don't know that I that I included for um, reading that asserted that it's pretty easy to tell when a human body's been cannibalized. Like, there'll be tool marks. Uh, there'll be evidence of cooking. Like you said, the, if something's boiled, it, it does something to the, the material. It breaks it down in a way that's unique to that. So I think with modern forensics, they'll be able to tell if they find bodies, they'll be able to tell if they've been they've been not on. Uh, but I, it's like I don't I just I just don't know what kind of charges you'd bring. Mm-hmm. You know, in a situation where a bunch of miners were left alone, uh, abandoned in the woods for 19 months. Yeah, I don't think you there know. is. Look, we know there are crimes happening because we've seen them. Uh, people are being chased and murdered. Uh, well, not yet they aren't, but they will be. Uh, so we know that there are crimes, but like, yeah, eating somebody to survive is not a crime, I don't think. If they right, die that's the thing. It's like, and you eat their body, there's no crime committed there. Like, we know they're crimes, right? Like, you could go back into 2000 BC and see a caveman cave another caveman's head in uh, uh-huh, yeah. and be like, ah, crime. But, like, what does that even fucking mean in that context? Well, um, yeah, they, they have no laws to define crime there. But Right. Like, I, I th- and I think that, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, what, like, obviously, I think there's some things that you could hold. Like, let's say Coach uh, Ben started a sex cult amongst the surviving sure. members of the yellow jackets um and used his position as authority and a coach to to make that happen i think he would probably face a bunch of fucking charges mm-hmm. um if everyone knew that they donned crazy costumes and improvised weapons and hunted each other for like a mm-hmm. a, a devil worshiping cult aspect of it that might catch charges but I don't mm-hmm. know that, like, I, I don't know that the forensics will be able to say, ah, oh, yes, this was eaten by a woman wearing a rabbit mask. Ah, oh, no, this is the one sure that can. was the antler queen, obviously, if you look at the antler marks here. Like, yeah. Yeah. So if the yellow jackets remain in solidarity, I don't see how it ever goes beyond what we've already seen them experience, which is innuendo and rumor and people being curious. Mm-hmm. The wilderness is the space between the ads. We'll be right back. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. 
Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Don't freeze to death. Come back to our coverage of Yellow Jackets. Uh, Jonathan in the UK, cabin guy in a deck of cards, can't be from the 1920s or earlier because he had the plane that Laura Lee died in. What we need to know is what that model of plane was, uh, when that model plane was built to pinpoint when he was living in the cabin. Oh man, I think it's a Cessna and those things have been built for like <laughs> 70 years. Yeah. That's Do a we good know point. That's his plane. We, we don't, don't know. And I was also, I was also going to say, who are we to say that cabin boy is the guy who owned the plane and is the only occupant of this cabin or the original mm-hmm. occupant of the cabin. Like there or could even be a the whole latest s- occupant of the cabin. Exactly right. There could be a whole sad tragedy of people being attracted to this cabin and falling into cannibalism and barbarity and yeah. Yeah, I, I will say I think there's an implication, like a loose, a very loose implication that this is his yeah. plane, but I, I don't think, think so. that's concrete enough to say that something can't happen to disprove that. I, I, I would say I'm, I'm probably false. 75% sure that, that he is the original occupant and they are into, but like that's just because of, cir- that's just because of circumstance of where everything's found. And, and, and if they wanted to say something that, that defied that, I would go along with it 100% because... True. It's just my head cannon. It, it's True. not on screen. But it's it's what I it's it's the most likely explanation until they offer something else. Yep. Um. But but good point. We yeah. I it's uh. There's no need to go back like a hundred years to to talk mm-hmm. about you know the original occupant. Courtney says, I was listening to Feedback Pod for episode eight and something hit me. Y'all were talking about two things that converged in my mind. First, you and Jim were talking about what could possibly be the horrible thing the girls did in the wilderness that the show seems to say we haven't already seen. I agree with y'all that it doesn't appear to be cannibalism on the face of it. You also made an offhand comment about Coach going to live in the trees once he realized what the girls did. All of a sudden, these two concepts connected to me, and it hit me that maybe the horrible thing is that Coach does break off and lives in a tree after the most recent hunt. They're aware mm-hmm. of him, and he's aware of them, but the factions stay away from each other for the most part. Now, this was sent in previous to the finale, where Coach does a first strike offensive. Mm-hmm. But what do you think of the idea that there is going to be, like, Coach is, is going to be the man in the woods kind of 
trying to live his best life under the tree and these girls are a hostile kind of tribe stalking him i it feels like that's almost guaranteed at this point because they're gonna they're gonna identify him immediately as the person who must have burned down the cabin right like he's the only one who isn't with them right now well the thing Uh, is it's like it's it's and also the fact that they the doors were all locked and disabled. That's the thing. Uh-huh. Like the cabin could just spontaneously catch on fire, but sure, sure. But the doors yeah. being locked. You could blame the wilderness. I don't know why they're not that's... blaming the wilderness on this, but that's uh confirmation well, I bias they will. there for you. I wonder if they will. I wonder if there will be a faction that's like maybe you know, maybe because I'm looking the for aftermath. the pumping of the brakes of this cult thing. Like I'm looking for mm-hmm. spring to spring. And people to kind of like, Jesus Christ, things got crazy, but we've got food now. We're fishing. We're gathering berries yep. and nuts. We don't have shelter, but we got a whole two seasons to worry about that. Uh, everything's going to be fine. Uh, but uh, she goes on to say that, like, one of the core cornerstones of this is like, you know, what what are they so guilty about? They're afraid people know. And she posits mm. that uh, the rescuers might show up and they do not tell them about Coach Ben. So he stays in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah, that's possible. Hmm. I, I still like my original theory of them with the, the dust coming to understand that the girls had a rescue attempt like in the summer and they don't take it deliberately because they want to keep being wilderness babies collectively they're all the wilderness baby <laughs> then how then how do you get them to ever change their minds on that because they do come back they do get rescued so the next group that shows up they put it to another vote and some of them have just like had enough well i wonder if it's going to be like a misty thing like like a like you use like sure. a lone two lone hikers stumble into a clearing and it's dark tie and van and they murder them uh-huh without really consulting the group and then the group and then like later on an organized search party finds them because of X, Y, or Z. I don't, I don't know. Sure. Uh, so it's more like people it's, than they can murder. It's like Misty unilaterally made the decision to kill the transponder <laughs> yeah. box. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, like an over an unkillable number of Mounties come riding over. <laughs> sure. Ah, shit. There's 50 red coats. We couldn't possibly kill them all. Uh huh. I guess we'll have to submit and go back to civilization. Yeah. Um, she also wonders, Courtney does, if they had caught Shauna before Callie had stepped in, which one of them would have actually gone on to kill her? Uh, Lottie, Dark Tie, Van, Misty, Nat. I, it's weird to me that Nat tucks that knife in her sleeve. See, I think, I think, I think Lottie clearly was the one that was the going in with the most gusto and leading. And I think... And obviously, I think Van and Ty, you know, went to their dark shit and Misty was going to probably do whatever, you know, her bloodthirst makes her do. But I think Nat was I think Nat was always going to be the bulwark. She had a weapon and she was going to take decisive action to stop it. Yeah. Or huh. to. Yeah. As the leader, as as we found out that she is the leader, I I think that. You know, she packed that knife as as uh, uh, to make sure that nothing bad could happen. Clearly, the knife mm. wasn't enough, but because knives make bad things not happen. Yeah, when when you well, the only the only solution to a bad girl with a gun is a good girl with a gun. It turns the out. Knife. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah. I got confused. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I guess like, Lottie Nat- would is the natural one. 
and that was the bulwark anyway. She just used her body to block the needle instead of, you know, mm-hmm. kill, killing Misty first. So, uh, Kathy says, I think Van's behavior in the last few episodes is less out of nowhere than I initially thought. In the present day, I think she's pretty much accepted her cancer diagnosis and her impending death as another shitty thing that's happened to her. But the moment she saw Lottie at the compound, she flashed back to her thoughts as a sacrifice of someone else that could possibly spare her. That person would die in her place. I think this is what motivated her to push Ty to call off the medical unit and really commit to the game. In my opinion, that ties in with what we've seen Travis and Van in the cabin timeline. She's wasting the idea that they should celebrate surviving by any means necessary. Adult Van is my favorite character, so I'm take take this as all coming from a huge Van apologist. Noted. Um, Jim, does this kind of hidden agenda by Van make things better for you? Well, like I said in the podcast, I I did note that Van saw, you know, felt something when she saw Lottie. Um, but it didn't seem like enough to me. It didn't seem like they told that story because they told, they showed us that, but then she went right back to being the adult Van we know. Um, yeah. So if they wanted to tell us that she had had a moment there that changed her, they should have made that continuous and it should have gotten more intense as it went on. And I, I didn't see that. I saw it fluctuating back and forth. Do you think they'll have, there'll be segments in the early goings? Cause I was thinking like, you know, I, I, I wish they showed us this. I wish they'd like made some of this a little bit more explicit. And I think that's a pacing issue because if you want to have the audience the time to discover some of this yourself, you need a little bit more time. And, you know, we really only had the last episode or two to kind of process these things. But I wonder if there'll be flashbacks where they make it they make it a point that Van has had many conversations with Dark Tie, where they lay out a lot of this logic and a lot of this thinking. Uh, but we weren't privy to it because we were sticking with the prime tie point of view. Mm. But I, I, does that that feels a little manipulative? Oh, yeah. I mean, retconning always feels a little manipulative. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's a mechanism context, for it. But oh, yeah, but, for sure. But yeah, I don't know that that lets them off the hook. Like, in fact, I've often said that like the less rules that uh, authors put on upon themselves, the easier their job. You know, uh, the easier the job is because they don't have to worry about contradicting themselves. They can just always invent something new and go back and be like, "Oh, it's always this way." So I don't know. That always feels less good from a storytelling than intentionally and thoughtfully constructing something. But. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's nothing to contradict this. It's just, it's a lot of surmising. Yeah, I, I I think you're right about like, I think you're right about it ultimately. It's just a question of how well was that story told, and I don't think it was told super well. I think they they kind of fumbled that a little bit. Yeah, and there's the, the, the thing I like about it is that it mirrors the conversation. And maybe I'm just being obtuse because it does mirror the conversation you had with Travis where Travis is like, you should be ashamed of yourself. It's like, why would I be ashamed for surviving? Mm-hmm. You know, I was supposed to be glad that I'm dead and someone else is alive arbitrarily. Like that really would map on to like, well, if I can get some one of these crazy bitches to. But like, why wouldn't she just let why wouldn't she just let the Lottie drink the phenobarbital? <laughs> Because she cares like, about okay, Lottie. Well, yeah. She, so, okay. So, she's really bought into the system that, like, okay, someone's going to die here. 
I don't want them to be me, but I couldn't possibly choose my friends. This is a fair and partial way. Yeah, the wilderness will choose that that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's that it all tracks. It all tracks. Christoph from Hamburg, Germany said Yellow Jackets has just refused to build a mythology that I find worthwhile to invest into. Lottie's possible PSI is not explored. The spontaneously combusting Teddy, the original signs on the trees, all forgotten. The man with no eyes, forgotten. Dark Tide never grew into a participant with substance. The cabin owner mystery has been dropped. Reminded me of the rocking chair mystery man from Lost, which in later seasons was retconned to have some actual meaning. I think that they wanted to go to Supernatural route in season one, but then decided for season two to wrap it up with everybody's just crazy. Yellow Jackets is turning out to be not a puzzle box show. It's a bunch of puzzle pieces that somebody has dropped on the floor. <laughs> trying to make sense of this show is like reading in the tea leaves, which you sometimes sound like when building your theories into the non-existent frame of this mystery. I absolutely hate the adult characters. I see them all as broadly sketched caricatures which operate in a set of character features. The housewife breaking bad, the drug addict fuck up, the psychopath, the stone cold career politician, etc. Since they are so shallow, there's not much to interpret into their behavior. They might do say or believe one thing in a scene and in the next they change their mind when the plot demanded. I can't figure out the motivations for Kevin, the tolerance for his scumbag partner, everything about Walter. Uh, I just feel like him and Misty are from a different show. Strong words here from Christoph. Um, well, it's kind of what I was getting at with the question of, is this a prestige puzzle box show or is this a silly, fun pulp show? Yeah. Uh, and I think that question is very much up in the air. I don't want to say that, like, the puzzle it can't come together because I think they have plenty of time. You know, they have at least one more eh, virtually guaranteed season. And maybe a couple more after that. So I'm willing to give it time to see if it develops. But yeah, I think this season was totally was very rocky. Especially the adult. I I really I really gravitated to what they said about the adult women because in season one I felt like everyone is so relatable. Like mm-hmm. I've never been like a repressed housewife, but like I certainly can relate to someone who feels like you know their life should have been more than what they're doing right now, cleaning out their husband's shit stained breeches and whatnot. I can emphasize with someone, you know, the battling addiction and depression. I can sympathize with someone who has a lot of expectations and also have, you know, put on them by themselves and society and also has a family that they can't, you know, completely switch off from. And I like all these people were like really relatable and there's just one kind of skewed thing that they had the shared experience. And like this, mm-hmm. this season, like, all that relatability stuff went out of the way. The addict tried to commit suicide, was abducted by a cult, which turned out to be the purple people cult. And they just became a true convert within a week. So like, I can't, that's hard to relate to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Shauna just started holding up people at gunpoint and hard charging into chop shops and like threatening people and getting titillated. Like it, it just got to be a little too much. Like Ty, like her, her fucking family was not relevant to the plot after two episodes in mm-hmm. to the extent that people is like a weekly thing of like what the hell is going on with the dog and the kid and like there's answers to that but like you know what I mean that oh yeah nobody I felt in season two was really relatable they had been so twisted from you know Misty was the one that was never kind of relatable I think from from the jump but like everybody's kind of like little Misty now uh, I think it's a big problem yeah I agree um, they try to take the show to the next level as far as 
the shocking things that we'd see and how wild their lives are. Um, tried, I, I guess, to do some of the things that they were doing with the younger uh, Yellow Jackets in the adult timeline too, like bring a little bit of that craziness over there. Yeah, and yeah, I think it, it kind of washed out the characters. It it or washed away the characters a bit. You can't go too fast, too far. Like I'm thinking, uh-huh. like go back to Breaking Bad. Like, what if Walter had dissolved a small kid and his bicycle <laughs> yeah. in the second episode instead of Crazy Eight's criminal partner? Like, right. a lot of people have been like, "Fuck, I fuck, I just no, I'm out on this. This is crazy. This guy's a fucking psychopath." And they're they're yeah, they're really flirting with that in some of these characters. Yeah, and then Walter always had a relatable set of motivations you know right and, and i think at this point we're so far away from that we're so far away from shauna being the housewife we're so far away from uh fr- from the senatorial race for ty like yeah that stuff is is way in the rearview mirror you almost forget about it Trevor says earlier in the season with Lottie and Natalie are competing for food. Lottie made an offering and Javi returned who eventually became food. Oh. Did the team wilderness actually win the food competition? Uh, I guess so. I guess Makes so. You think. I, I mean, there's, I, like I said, I'm also open in the show being all, too deep for me. Like there's actually all these insane connections. And if I was paying it to, you know, like the show's overtly pulpy turn made me kind of like miss all this stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I I think if that was the case, I would have seen something uh, persuasive on Reddit because I have been, you know, this like that's the one Mm -hmm. thing this community has got going for it is holy shit. The passion (laughs) for the show is far, far bigger than the footprint of the audience would suggest. Like, again, Mm. this this has got like a huge a thousand hundred thousand people strong subreddit with like any time of the day, four or five thousand people contributing. That's that's half of the existing audience of the show. It's almost (laughs) 100 percent of of Showtime's self-reported audience size for the last three or four episodes of the season that's insane i've never mm-hmm. i've never seen anything like that before so if if passion and caring about something can save it then then this show is going to have no problems let me throw this out there javi came back they ate him and then their cabin burned down what does that tell you mm, yeah there's no such thing as a free lunch <laughs> <laughs> yep yep ironclad law of the universe uh, Nick from the Almost Canon podcast said, one thing I've been saying over to myself again and again, waiting for someone to bring it up, but no one else has, is the Wendigo. I have my own podcast called Almost Canon, and I've done an episode on the Wendigo and how it tied into the show uh, this ancient uh, Ojibwa cannibalistic spirit. There are many clues that the show pointing to the Wendigo, starting by the fact that even though the show is shot in British Columbia, the showrunner said the plane crashed in Ontario, dead smack in the Wendigo territory, as this is a creature of the Ojibwa-speaking family group, which is pretty much means it's focused on the northeast portions of the Canada and the United States. Did the showrunner say that the plane crashed in Ontario? Because, like, I thought it was the Canadian Rockies, and I didn't think the, uh, the Canadian Rockies went that far east. I mean, they, they might have said that. I have no idea. Canadian Rockies are not anywhere near Ontario. No, I'm they're like BC, you have to right? go one, two, three. Alberta, like, is the first state province that has a little bit of it. 
Okay. Uh, but primarily it's British, British Columbia. I, I don't know about that. I need to see a source mm-hmm. because, yeah, I just need to see a source on that. Um, just, just also just looking at the surroundings, the mountainous terrain. Uh, it doesn't look like anything. Like Ontario looks a lot like Indiana and Ohio, especially in northern parts because oh. it was all pushed flat by the glaciers. Like there's not. It's very yeah. There's not a lot of mountainous, rugged terrain. But well, maybe the wind Wendigo migrated. Uh, could west yeah when, yes yeah go west young wendigo it was told it does feel like there could be a wendigo at work here i've seen enough wendigo uh fiction to know a little bit about it and it feels yeah, like the vibe of a wendigo same uh nick continues we've all seen the show so we all know the paranormal scenes like jackie's barbecue and the spirit that dumped the snow on her and all the wilderness is hungry talk but i think the second biggest clue is the wilderness actually being an ancient evil spirit is the whole antler queen deal the wendigo has mm-hmm. been hollywoodized since the early 1900s and that includes pulling a deer's head on top of a human's body with major focus on his antlers Lastly, the symbol, it resembles a mashup of characters from the Ojibwa alphabet. I could go on and on, but I'll leave it there. Mm. The Wendigo is turning these girls into itself a cannibalistic monster of the deep woods. Um, I like it. It could be. It could Mm -hmm. be. Uh, You do... I think the showrunners have to do their homework if they're going to take, in this day and age, a Native American myth and kind of make it into their own. Mm -hmm. But assuming they do that... I don't see any problem with that. But I also like, boy, it also feels very circumstantial, too. It's like, yes, the Wendigo is kind of like the shape-shifting, vengeful, cannibalistic spirit. How much of that have we actually seen in the show, other than the cannibalism? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a theory that could explain everything. We have no like real confirmations yet, but... Yeah. It, it seems to I, fit roughly. The, the other thing is, like, I was like, what would falsify a theory? You know, like, how far outside Sh- the confirming Wendigo a different myth, theory? I mean, yeah, yeah, but like, how far would, would how far could you stretch the the Wendigo right. myth to, to fit it? You know, and yeah. I feel like that's the temptation. It's like it's it's much better to be like, okay, well, what would be the things we know? I'm obviously the, then coming up with another mechanism, but assuming they keep on uh-huh. hopping on both of these rational spiritual. Uh, ritual feet like where did they hop to some things like well that's not Wendigo territory I don't mm-hmm. know because I feel like you could say it's like well if it's not like the modern myth then it's more like the ancient actual myth or well they're going more for a Marvel style Wendigo and it's like eh, at that point yeah yeah but we'll see the, the, doing a riff on a Wendigo would be hard to necessarily detect I guess yeah Alvin says, are we okay as a media consuming public? I feel like so many people are ready to check out of a show that had given you a solid product because of a few seams that may be showing. I think maybe because we knew they were getting a third season at a minimum, writing the second that some stuff will be revealed in season three. But it seems after episode eight, folks are ready to give up right then and there. I've had a big disappointment in Game of Thrones and Westworld after season one and how those ended. Are we so scared of being hurt that we jettison a show the first chance we get? It's not the prevailing sentiment, but I've seen that kind of thinking far too much for a show that seems to earn its standing. I mean, Alvin, I did do that. Like, I bailed on Lost more from my (laughs) post-X-Files trauma than I did because... Because this was this was like mid-season two. Like, the second they dropped Walt, I'm like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. Uh, (laughs) 
So like it, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an irrational action. Like if you got cheated on in two of your previous relationships and you, you start seeing your partner getting weird texts from somebody you don't recognize, I don't think that that's an inhuman reaction to fucking bail. I am. No, I don't even care <laughs> if this is your long lost brother. Or, I'm just no fucking hit and eject. I'm going back to Tinder. Okay. Cupid. I don't know. Uh, all right. If you want to go with the dating metaphor, I've got another option here. Uh, okay. The, the, probably another force at work here. So let's say you're dating somebody and you're like, it's Oh, Wendigo. I like them, you know, but it, yeah. And they turn out to be a Wendigo. I'd probably dump them. Uh, n- no, <laughs> Say, say you're I want to see. I want to see what they think about strawberry lube first. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, l- l- that's a perfect example. And you're dating someone. You bust out the strawberry lube, and they're like, "Ah, eh, strawberry lube, not my thing." But it's really your thing. Guess what? There are a million other people out there. A million other shows out there that will yeah. get totally down with the strawberry lube. If that's a life you want to live, go watch those shows. Go date that person. Right. Like. Yeah. Yeah, why there's make, so you're, you're much fucking choice now? It's it, it that why not drop it at the drop of a hat, right? Yeah, if I'm at a restaurant and I order a, a a meal and it comes to me, it's not my particular thing. I'll probably eat it because what am I going to do? I'll send it back and order another thing and wait for another 15, 20 minutes while people are staring, you know, eating their food yeah. and. But if I'm at a buffet and I take a spoonful of something I don't like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. eat that fucking. I'm going to go back and get something else or start on the other. And I think that's the environment we're in. There's we already living in a TV buffet for sure. Already way too much. Excellent things to eat mm-hmm. for you. You're, you're going to have to give. You're not going to be able to get everything on the buffet uh, without like making yourself throw up and or getting mm-hmm. a time turner turner from Harry Potter. A reference to Jim now recognizes. I do. Uh I, I just yeah I think that's that's it's this is perfectly even in times where we are pre buffet I bailed on lost and now we have so much choice like why would you why would you spend 10 hours watching a season of something that you think is going to make yourself miserable when you can try so many other different things yeah we have a license to be fickle now because you can't consume everything if something isn't to your taste move on yeah yeah, I think it's pretty easy. But like, so are we okay? We're better than okay. We're fucking rolling. We are so oh, yeah. far away from eating bear meat, uh, or 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 worm filled meat. Yeah, or mm-hmm. a, a non field dress Jackie. That we we've got bounties. We don't have to worry about uh, be, making bone broth out of thin soup. You know. Uh, let's see. Garrett says, I'm going to start out by arguing that it isn't such a leap for our ladies to be so into the hunt in the modern timeline. If you stop and think about it, we all know the group identity is one of the strongest of social forces. I immediately feel a strong connection to a relative stranger when I find out we've shared a similar uncommon experience, such as working the ICU during COVID or having been in the same small base in Iraq or Afghanistan. I feel it even to a lesser extent when I find out I'm talking to somebody from my hometown, even though we were halfway around the world. Yellow Jacket Survivor seems like the ultimate in-group. Nobody that wasn't there really knows what went down, and they sure as hell don't get it. It seems like this is the first time they've all hung out in 20-ish years, so that group ID must be in full force, likely bringing back some old attitudes, emotions, etc. They're going to remember, maybe even reminisce a little bit about the time out there. Only Misty and Nat brought it up for the first time, but I'm sure they were all thinking about it. The next psychological force is the addictive property of gambling. I've known some gambling addicts, and it seems just as strong a pull as any other drug addiction. 
When the ladies are drawing cards, not only are they in mortal danger if they lose, but they are also hit with an intense feeling of abandonment or betrayal as their friends chase them down to kill them. I can't even imagine the dopamine hit they get when they draw that seven of clubs or whatever. A final force that could be propelling the situation forward is thrill-seeking exhibited by many with PTSD. Recklessness and self-destructive behaviors were even added as a symptom criteria when the DSM-5, that's the, the diagnostic manual that psychologists use to tell you what flavor crazy you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the extreme situations they've dealt with make anyone else feel kind of flat. We've seen all of them in the adult timeline lack impulse control to some extent. We've seen Shauna really ramp up this kind of behavior lately with her affair, the carjacker, the chop shop. You can see the same pattern as some of the vets that are addicted to combat or high-risk situations. With these powerful psychological forces pulling on them, there's likely a part of them that's excited about the prospect of the hunt, even if they know it would be reckless and make no sense at all. They all go along with humoring Lottie, afraid to say that they are seriously entertaining the idea. The ladies are all just going with it, and the situation progresses until they're acting it out and actually doing it. Some of them give hints along the way, like you pointed out in the podcast. Nat gets that real knife up her sleeve, and Lisa tells... Uh, tells Lisa to get the hell out of Dodge. Ty and Van cut off the intervention team. Missy doesn't seem in on it, but she's like the ultimate fucking wild card. So who knows? She's she's the Charlie Day of the group. <laughs> yeah. Sean is the one who starts humoring Lottie in the first place. She does dull the knives up. However, she draws a card like the rest of them. And part of me wonders if she just jump on the bandwagon if someone else had pulled the queen. What do you think of this analysis? That group identity uh the the psychological addictiveness of gambling and the the, the impulse uh, lack of impulse control of PTSD combined in this final episode to make the women crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean that that explanation makes a lot of sense. I guess my my initial reaction is I don't feel like they told that story very well. Because, like, I'm not saying that they couldn't get this group of adults together and them do something crazy. What I'm saying is none of them seemed like they were ready to. And, and this goes back to pacing, It was suggested right? and it happened. And I don't... Exactly, yeah. I, I think you're totally right on with all that stuff. But it was not the vibe I was getting going into the scene. Yeah. And it's like, it's a, yeah, like this, this reminds me of like, there's nothing wrong with the prequel series. If you just look at it as a series of story beats, you know, Anakin Skywalker sure. discovered as a slave sure. rescued out of obscurity, falls in love with a beautiful queen uh, that he's forbidden to express love because of the strict uh, tenets of his religion. But like you watch it and it's the worst shit ever. Like the dialogue's bad. It feels like like this like six year old slave just declares love for this thirteen year old girl mm. in the, some junkyard out at like the first time he lays eyes on her and like and she kind of like, goes like, for it, yeah. And it, yeah, and she's like not like ew, gross. What the fuck? You you uh, don't wash your hands after you shit and you got jam hands anyway. Why would I? Do? Yeah, it's like there's there's it. it you can do anything. But the faster you get it, the do it. Because, like, like, the, the, the goes, goes back to relatability. Um, not all of us are combat vets. Not all of us have had some of the crazy, the, the, like, you know, we haven't been out in the wilderness and we haven't been cannibals. Like, this is already leaps of the imagination for a lot of us. And we need to see, 
like to, to be relatable we have to put ourselves in that position thinking boy in in those circumstances with those forces playing on me i would do the exact same thing i don't think many people in the audience felt that way episode seven eight nine i think people thought like what the f-? like even knowing all these things which i think most people do like we've been talking on the show tons about the trauma and all and the fact that they're very, you know, they used to be young in the wilderness, like in the, the, the modern timeline, they just didn't quite get it there. Yeah. And I think they, they started off fairly well with this stuff. Like I, I, I was thinking about these types of things back when Ty was talking to Van, um, just about the problem she's having, you know, and her, her visions coming back and all this stuff and how awful that must've been for her and how, Van was the only person who could have ever understood that. Uh, they they just didn't continue down that road very effectively. Yeah, yeah, that's not, and I, I, I just keep on thinking it all goes back to pacing. Like these ideas are not bad on the face of it. It just I needed a little bit. Like what? I'm not. It's not like we're been like this is stupid. It's like we needed one more conversation. We needed one more scene. We needed one more connection between uh, these girls who were secular soccer players and they're about to convert to wilderness coat. We need. We needed one more scene where they kind of talk about like what the wilderness means to them and how it manifests in necklaces and blindfolds and butchers and all. You, you know. Uh, well, it's it's like I said uh, in the podcast last time. I think they needed to do a better job connecting the adult stuff and the the teen stuff in this particular episode because things are going to go off the rails. They need to they need to develop that simultaneously, and I think they tried with the teen part, but they didn't do it effectively with the adult part. Yeah, and that's where it just kind of that that didn't line up for me. You know, one email that I I read, but I I had to cut for time, asserted that it's interesting that Shauna seems like the only one that knows how to butcher. And this tracks back to season one because like Ben, Coach Ben knew how to butcher animals and he was like divvying up, trying to decide who's going to be the hunters, who's going to be. Shauna's the one that volunteered to learn how to butcher, which is why she's the designated butcher. Mm -hmm. But it makes you question like, well, what if she was her card was drawn and they hunted her and killed her? Mm hmm. Like, is she going to teach someone her? else to... <laughs> Who yeah, butchers like, seems... the butcher? <laughs> exactly. So, so it's like, is there any thought given to that? Uh, you, you, it just Yeah, there's, there's a couple things. Right? I just don't think they quite, you know, rounded off the corners of every, every piece of plot. And, and again, I think there's a lot of evidence that there's a whole episode worth of material that's been cut. Maybe it's going to be a bonus episode. <laughs> Maybe it's just, ah, oh, shit, we're going too... We're already going too fast, too far, and I just... I, I think uh, the best edits are not only indistinguishable from, you know, like they're completely transparent to an audience, but they're also make the product stronger. These cuts felt obvious and just from our descriptions of what they contain seemed like a lot of stuff that we wanted to know about. So mm-hmm. it's a big, but, but also the, someone said just a couple of emails ago that like it could be, that since they had the double renewal that they don't have that like the showrunners like we have a luxury here that we can you know tell a story that spans two seasons and we don't and like not that if your audience doesn't miss. watch season three because they weren't into season and then two a, and then a writer strike gives show yeah it's like uh-huh. there it, it, it might have been an epic miscalculation 
but I don't know. I think they told they thought they told the story that they wanted to tell and they just didn't tell it effectively enough. Yeah. Past the shrooms. We'll be right back. All hail the antler queen. We're back with yellow jackets. Uh, Adam in the UK says there's been one flagrant weakness in the show for me from the outset, which is I feel heavily contributing to its decline, namely that almost all the characters are pathological. Shows can sometimes get away with having casts that are almost exclusively full of disturbed individuals, but they need to have some outstanding feature that offsets this. Like on the show Archer, it's the writing. On Barry, it's the humor and visual flair. On The Leftovers is the emotional expansiveness and imaginations. Yellow Jacket's only compensating feature is the music. Uh, so, yeah, he goes on. <laughs> and, and then it's the like, shock, shock value. There, there's quite a bit of shock value in this show. Yeah, and he's like, you know, of the core group, you've got two that are pre-psychotic to the sh- to the the crash, Misty, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and Shauna. Others are pre-psychotic, like Tysa and Lottie. Well, although I don't, yeah, might yeah, have got Lottie. those flipped even, uh-huh. but uh, yeah. So I, I I see what you're saying. I think it's most it's stuff that we've kind of covered elsewhere in the podcast that like these characters. Uh, are in danger of no longer being relatable. And if you have mm-hmm. unrelatable protagonists, then you don't care about anything. Uh, and impressing people with your plot just gets so much harder at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex says, when Natalie dead and Lottie off to his psych ward, that leaves with a tie, Van, Misty, and Shauna in the present timeline. Considering there's only a handful of wilderness girls left, does it seem likely that we will not get any more surprise survivors of the crash in the present timeline? There are only a few remaining people that could even show up in the present timeline, such as Coach Ben, Mari, or the others. Do you think the remaining four adults will be a central cast for the remainder of the show if we get many more seasons, or do you think they'll try to sneak one more wilderness survival in the adult timeline? I, I mean, look, nothing is impossible, but <laughs> it's hard for me to believe that a Jin or a Mari or, you know, one of those would have survived and Akilah would have survived and no one would have talked about it. Like when they all got together, it's like, boy, it makes me think uh, when we're all here, haven't seen each other for 20 years, what's Akilah doing? You know, mm-hmm. like, are boy. we going to draw cards without the others? Right. Like if Shauna really wants to stall, well, Akila lives across uh, the country in Colorado. We need to go out My there and get her. My boyfriend Walter can find anyone on the internet. Let's find the yellow jack that has the temerity to not be here to refuse to draw and just kill her. And then uh-huh. we've given the wilderness what it wants by <laughs> proxy and done, done. Yeah, which, I, I mean, you know, I am fabricating scenes that don't exist to try and explain why this couldn't be true. But I, I don't know. I guess they could get away with it one more time but after the Lottie reveal that feels and Van this season that feels a little bit like a retread yeah it seems like it seems it seems like it seems like the natural thing to do is for them to explore other inhabitants of the cabin as little vignettes to to fill in Mm -hmm. information that we don't know about the yellow jackets and you could do you know, it could be that there's an a there's a survivor from the original cabin events that they are able to connect with and kind of get answers from. There's like so it's like I think there's ways to build out the f- present timeline without resorting to having hidden survivors. Although maybe they could do I think maybe they could do it one more time, especially if they were the yeah. real power all along. Yeah, maybe. But oh boy, like I said, yeah, you can do anything know. as long as you do it good. Mm-hmm. But 
this seems like a very high difficulty maneuver to pull off. Um, Nancy from Canada says, Hey, Jim and Aaron, I have a comment about episode nine. When it was over, my first thought was that this, they set this episode up as a possible series finale, just in case they don't get picked up for an additional season, uh, which they already did get picked up. That'd be a very unusual choice to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Lottie committed and what uh, could be the Queen Nat dead, the rest of the girls can get on their lives. The murder of Adam has been covered up. Walter, uh, Walter and Misty hug and live happily ever after, solving cold cases together. Sean and her family can be happy now because Cassie understands what her mother suffered. Van and Thaisa will be together. We know which girls survive and we can just assume that those who didn't return were eaten. Yeah. Uh, it, Coach Ben uh, is totally in the wind. I don't, I don't like his fate if that's true because he could be I don't out think there people, living he could have been eaten who knows i think what you're saying is strictly true that it could work as a in like an imperfect finale um but the fact that they got extended for two seasons I, that would be bonkers behavior mm-hmm. uh to you know pre-predict that they're going to cancel you after renewing you and then the other thing is just like yeah i don't think this is a well-regarded show if it ends here I think this oh, no. is this is a speed running Westworld uh, legacy, which legacy mm-hmm. the legacy of Westworld is what a great first season and what a stunning betrayal of the prom the promise of potential <laughs> it had the next three seasons were and resulting it didn't even in the it not getting a final season yeah and we got an imperfect finale to that season too so it, it we join Westworld as the in the ranks and 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 uh, X Files and maybe lost for half of the viewing audience it joins the ranks of puzzle boxes that fucking fizzled before their time. Uh, Philly Nick says if they want to make five seasons of this where are they going to get the material we've seen enough shocking cannibalistic killings what's left to pique our curiosity except for pit girl I'm done Mm -hmm. I'm actually don't give a shit about pit girl at this point (laughs) are they going to wait two more seasons to tell us cabin boy wasn't even a storyline yet are they going to start bringing cabin boy out next season love your coverage starting to hate the show yeah I think cabin boy is a plausible way to to take this yep makes a ton of sense uh, you're right. This, this is a problem. Some, some They've stuff. shown us such shocking shit already. Um, it's going to be hard to make our stomachs turn in season three. Yeah. Um, TN says once they found, they get found in the NTSB, the National Traffic Safety Board, I believe is what that means, investigates mm-hmm. or maybe Bureau. They will know someone ripped the wiring harness out of the flight recorder, which they will find and find out. Do you think the future timeline everyone knows Misty messed with the flight recorder and that's the main reason everyone's hating on her so much? Assuming they find the recorder. I don't think they find... the Wendigo takes it? (laughs) Well, didn't... It was away from the plane and Misty gutted it Mm -hmm. and then threw it further away, right? I can't remember if she throws it or not. She definitely smashed it. Um, Although I'm always shocked, like when the plane crashes in the ocean and then they inevitably a year later show like the, you know, like they'll have all the parts put into place in some giant hangar and there's like 90 percent of a plane like mm -hmm. paper mache plane assembled. And I'm like, how the fuck did they find? They're pretty fucking maniacal. Why do they go such lengths to find uh the, the uh, one piece of an aileron that like because that could be the bolt that sheared it, off and killed everybody and they totally, want to know about it yeah you're right but they do that and maniacal yeah so yeah like the fact that the flight safety box is just missing 
Um, but I, I gotta say, none of the 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 women in the present tense. They, I don't think they give Misty kept us out in the wilderness for nineteen months for no fucking good reason vibes. They give not. She never told them. They never found out because Misty. Yeah, Misty's a weird, smelly girl vibes, but not Misty doomed us to cannibalism and death vibes. That's a whole other level of hate, I think. Oh, yeah, that's you would have murderous intent if Misty ever showed up again. Yeah, I mean, I'm again, uh, old straight white guy. Don't pretend to understand fully the minds of of teenage women uh, uh, and their adult counterparts. But I think I'm intact in touch with enough of the human condition that that would be. That'd be a bridge too far. Look, shit disappears. Where's Crystal's body? Uh, who says they'll ever find that flight recorder? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Steve from Sweet Child of Mine podcast said, I have the most inconsequential of notes for you today. The most unimportant piece of information you may not want. Jeff has been Googling for himself because it was established early on that he appears in the commercials for the furniture store in a small town where he's a star football player, plus he works out and is a pretty good-looking guy, and because he's on TV giving him exposure, he's probably Googling himself because he's not getting enough attention and feedback from Shauna. In order to keep up his self-confidence, he has to seek compliments elsewhere. Aw, Jeff. All right. Jeff. It's sad. No, no one telling you you're a handsome boy, Jeff? That's... That's uh, that's a that's a problem modern men face. We don't we don't get that. When's the last time someone that uh, besides your wife told you you're good looking? When you're My six mom? years old, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like like you, as a, life as a man is wild. You get told mm-hmm. what a cutie pie you are up until the time hair starts sprouting from your body and face, and, and then, then you're, you're a disgusting, disgusting warthog for the off. rest of your fucking life. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. No, I, I, I the, the, the <laughs> yeah, that's I feel for Jeff if that's the case. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the, you know, he's he's got a lot going on, and he would like for Shauna to recognize that, see past his strawberry lube failures, and uh, see his six pack abs. Uh, that's gonna be it for us on the Yellow Cast, the Yellow Jackets podcast, mm-hmm. which may or may not be yellow. That'd be the dramatic, shocking reveal of the if the cast is yellow itself um yellow jackets at baldmove.com if you'd like to send us more feedback uh again unless we have the fabled bonus episode which boy i feel at this point i've I've taken such a hard t- stance against i'll be eating a lot of unsalted crow yeah i mean it can but, happen we'll see but we'd be back a couple weeks from now to cover that uh, otherwise, look for us to have a preview out in advance of season three whenever we get that, uh, whenever we hear about it. Um, I suppose if we got confirmation this got canceled as a tragic result of the writer strike, that'd be something that we might come back and, and talk about too. Um, hmm. But who knows? I uh, guess if it happens if, next week, maybe. If it happens nine yeah, months we, from now, probably not. <laughs> Yeah, we said about uh, Westworld too, and uh, Westworld mm-hmm. got canceled over. Uh, was it, was that over Christmas break? Yeah, it was a few it months long, after it came a long while, show. and it kind of went without fanfare. But but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, if you would like to keep the bald move experience going, oh boy, there is so much content coming out in the near future. We've got Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Uh, we'll be dropping a preview podcast for that next week. Uh, help me out, Jim. What are the other things? We got Justified City oh, Primeval. Boy. 
we got foundations coming back the bear the bear season two something that like won a lot of the baldy awards this year uh Mm -hmm. foundation season two coming out in july we got tons of pulp tons of prestige coming down uh tons of movies we'll be doing indiana jones and dial of destiny we're seeing spider-man across uh into the spider-verse through the spider-verse and to grandmother's house we go i i I Uh can't this far from no way out home like there's just too much ref self-referential meta titling going on in spider-man movies i can't keep them straight but the animated spider-man miles morales we're seeing that tonight we got tons of movies, tons of TV we're always talking about. The best way to follow us is twitter.com slash baldmove or our website itself, baldmove.com. Also, if uh, you want to follow all of our Pulp or Prestige content, search for Bald Move Pulp or Prestige wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can get all of that stuff uh, curated under those two categories. Finally, if you would like to support us, uh, if you value what we're doing here as independent podcasters, we could use your support. Uh, go to support.baldmove.com find out how you can join the club for ad-free feeds tons more bonus audio and video content and just yeah the pleasure of knowing you're keeping us two fine gentlemen from the midwest talking about podcasts also go out there and google yourself you never know what you'll find you never know you're not you're not you're not getting enough adapt from home uh Mm -hmm. film a couple sectional commercials uh work out (laughs) see what the people are saying Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. see if they notice Uh, See, see, see if your hard work's been noticed. All right, before it gets any weirder, we're getting out of here. Uh, until the next season or the fucking bonus episode, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. Later.